Hello, 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 and welcome to another very special episode of A Very Special Episode, a show where I get to curl up on the sofa and watch TV with some of my favourite people. I'm Michael Lee Richardson, a writer and youth worker, and I live in Glasgow. Um, this is another one of those episodes that I recorded a little while ago, as you'll hear in here. This was recorded, I think, in January 2022, uh, so, you know, getting on for a year ago now, but I still think it's uh, very... There's a lot of good content in there. Uh, and, and TV sort of never really goes away at this point. Um, if you were watching Succession at the time, you're probably still watching Succession. And if, like me, you weren't watching Succession at the time, you probably still haven't watched Succession. Um, but yeah, it was a really great conversation with Debbie Moon, who is a fantastic screenwriter and really active on screenwriting Twitter and really great at giving uh, advice and and encouragement, I think, to emerging screenwriters, including myself. Um, so, uh, hello, Debbie, and thank you so much for everything uh, you do for people. Debbie mentions in this episode uh, a show called Flip or Flop, uh, a house a house flipping show. You know, I've been using the top of these episodes to talk about what I've been watching, uh, and it made me think about the fantastic Trixie Motel, uh, Trixie Motel's uh, motel flipping show, I guess. Um, so it's a, a show for an actual real reality show uh, where Trixie Motel, uh, the drag queen from RuPaul's Drag Race, and her partner buy uh, a motel in Palm Springs and do it up very much in the Trixie uh, kind of branding. So there's a there's a, a, a Malibu Barbie room and a, a kind of alien room and a cowgirl room. Uh, it's just fantastic. I think uh, I've been kind of talking to friends of mine who've watched it uh, and using the the various Trixie <laughs> Trixie branded rooms as the new as the new uh, astrology. So what does the what Trixie motel room would you pick uh, and what does that say about you? But I really enjoyed it as a show. It's a, like a proper reality show, but um, as with most sort of drag race and drag race adjacent uh properties it's it's got a real nice uh proper dollop of irony and uh yeah just a lot a lot a lot of fun um i mean there's a real kind of uh the one the one very strange storyline in it for me um there's a she has a what do you call her like a, an interior designer that she works with this woman uh whose husband comes along sometimes uh there's a whole <laughs> there's one episode that starts with uh Leslie Jordan uh the actor uh auditioning with Trixie auditioning for lifeguards uh by having Leslie Jordan pretend to drown in the pool and having increasingly uh hot hunky shirtless men jump in to save him uh and and in one of these episodes the 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 partner of this interior designer is there in his little trunks as well and then later on the the designer and her partner get married at the Trixie Motel it's just very strange it was a very peculiar uh choice for a I don't know gay reality tv show if you ask me and nobody did uh, but anyway yeah I uh, highly recommend you check that out uh, and without further ado here is Debbie Moon my very special guest this week is Debbie Moon Debbie Moon is a BAFTA winning film and television writer she's had over 50 short stories published in the UK and US and her novel Falling was shortlisted for Welsh book of the year She's written for The Spartacle Mystery, Hinterland, and is the creator and lead writer of the CBBC fantasy drama series Wolfblood, which has been shown in nearly 60 countries around the world. She has several feature scripts and television series currently in development. Hello, Debbie Moon. 
Hello. Thank you for inviting me aboard. Oh, thank you very much for coming. Um, I guess what I always start this this uh, these conversations with is by asking people what sort of stuff they liked watching when they were younger. Oh wow! Um, I liked all the all the sci fi, all the action adventure. Um, I remember there was a distinct point where like BBC Two would run stuff about six o'clock, seven o'clock at night to keep the kids happy while the parents were mm-hmm. making dinner and stuff. And they do sort of repeats of like the original Battlestar Galactica and the A-Team and Knight Rider and all that kind of really quite terrible 70s, <laughs> 80s stuff. But that I suppose that was kind of my formative sort of TV, really, mm. was, was watching all of that. Yeah, because I, I was really, I was quite surprised by the, we'll talk about this later, but I was quite surprised by the episode that you chose because I know you as like a, a big sort of sci-fi I guess sci-fi fantasy, but particularly sci-fi person. Yes. Um, yeah. Do you think that's, is that a fair assessment? That, that's of... absolutely fair. Yes, sci-fi <laughs> is my my big love. But I also like kind of action adventure and I, I do like a good heist or a good con, which is how we come into today's show, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, is that the sort of stuff you like watching now? Yeah, definitely. Yes, I'm I'm still enjoying very much the same kind of things. I mean, there was a point where, you know, as a writer, I was trying to watch at least one episode of, of everything. And then someone invented mm. streaming. So yes. suddenly <laughs> it was no longer possible to watch even one episode of everything. <laughs> so I've, I've become much more discriminating now. I, I try to watch, you know, the big dramas on ITV, BBC and stuff. But really, mm. my, my love is is sci-fi, fantasy uh and the sort of actiony thrillery heisty kind of end of things as well yeah yeah what's your comfort watch like the show or shows that you you go back to again and again oh i mean it's quite hard really isn't it because there's so much to watch now i find Mm. i'm not going back to things as much as i used to i mean this year i've actually watched ted lasso at least three times i think Mm. so i guess that's probably it I think that'll be yeah. a, a new a new comfort watch for quite a lot of people. It's just got that real easy to watch. That's a weird thing to say about a TV series, but it's very mm. easy to just kind of switch you, you into that. You know you can sit down and watch it and you will come out at the other end feeling better about the world. And, yes. and yet it's not schmaltzy. It's not Pollyanna-ish. Ted is is a good person, but he's not a perfect person. And, and I really admire how they've managed to pull that off, really. That's very difficult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally because it took me such a long time to get into it because like so many people were recommending it, recommending it, and then I was like, "But it's about football, and why oh, would I?" I want to <laughs> but it's not really about it's... football, is it? I mean, it could it could be set in a factory, it could be anywhere. It's mm. it it's kind of, that's really the background. It's really about those characters and that sort of pressure to succeed. Yeah, definitely. Are there are there like sci fi or fantasy shows that you that you find yourself going back to um i guess the the newer battlestar galactica was was a big formative thing i've i've ended mm. up watching that several times through i think just because it developed so well and each season is kind of a thing unto itself i think it's something you can keep going back to and, and seeing a lot more rich stuff in it so yeah i've really enjoyed re-watching that over the years yeah me too definitely actually um did you did you watch any of like the spin-offs like caprica and um, I did. I had, you know, I still haven't seen Caprica. 
I think mm. at the point it came out, it was like on Sky or something or some channel I didn't have anyway. Mm. Uh, and I didn't get around to it at the time. So maybe I should go back to that now and, and yeah. check it out. Yeah, yeah. It was an interesting one. A lot of interesting stuff, but... Um... Yeah, I just think it wasn't capturing people the way that Battlestar Galactica did. I think I think these like I think there's quite a lot of these prequely type series doing the rounds, mm. and I I don't know if they ever really hit the spot for me. But um, it's tricky because by definition, a TV show is probably about the most dramatic and interesting period in someone's life. Mm. And then if you want to go back and see that character like ten years earlier, then by definition, nothing terribly interesting was probably happening to them. Yeah. So it's really yeah. hard to pull off unless they're a character like James Bond who has a big dramatic experience, you know, every five days or something. <laughs> but if they are a more ordinary kind of character who just once in their life gets thrown into something big, like mm. Walter White in Breaking Bad, for example, you couldn't really do a prequel about that because his life doesn't become interesting until that point. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, it's such a... And I always think of that thing of like the... Uh, you know, there are there are shows like things like Doctor Who or Buffy where like, you know, the, mm. the Doctor or a Buffy will end up in a real kind of moment and you're like, you know, is this the end for our plucky hero? <laughs> um, and you always sort of know that it's never going to be. But if you're doing a prequel series and you're putting your character, I feel like it takes all the jeopardy out of something because you yeah. know that they're sort of going to end up where you knew they ended up. Exactly. There, there can't be any great mystery about what's going to happen to them, can mm. there? Which is, is difficult. I mean, I, I'm not saying you could never make a prequel series that worked, but it, it must be very difficult to try and pull that off. Definitely, definitely. Is there something that you watch that's outside of your wheelhouse or something people wouldn't expect you to watch? Okay, I'm, I'm never going to live this down, but I'm, <laughs> I'm actually addicted to crappy um, house flipping programs on HGTV. Oh, there's wow. One called, there's one called Flip or Flop, which is a <laughs> half hour program with this slightly well i don't know they're, they're very american this couple i don't want to get sued so that's all i'm going to say they're very very american um and they they do up houses and and it's always the same basically they go to some crappy house which has got like rats and the ceilings falling in and everything and they buy this house and you know by 15 minutes in like the roof falls in or they've got to do this or that and it's oh and then there's there's a, the ad break and then, of course, it all turns out fine in the end, and they've created this beautiful house. But it's really good for watching when your brain is kind of dead because mm. it's got this very simple narrative. You take a terrible house, they do a lot of stuff. At the end, the house is lovely, and somebody buys it, and they make a lot of money. So it's very capitalist as well. I'm a bit ashamed <laughs> about that. But, but uh, so, yeah, it's got this sort of very simple narrative that you can just sit and watch with a cup of tea when your brain is dead, and you get to see nice houses and sort of shots of – california and stuff so it, it's all quite nice and glossy and fun <laughs> no i think that i think there's a real space for those kind of shows i don't think we should be um, i don't know ashamed of watching them like my <laughs> my version of that i guess is don't tell the bride um, oh. <laughs> i am literally not interested in weddings in any way whatsoever and if it's yeah. like it takes a lot for me to actually to go to a wedding, but I love to sit down and watch a Don't Tell the Bride. I just, because you absolutely know what is going to happen. Like, yeah, you can just predict the whole episode. And then by the end of things, 
you know, it's usually the guy pulls off some absolutely awful wedding, but by the end, <laughs> uh, she realizes why she loves him and they have a lovely chat and stuff. Oh, <laughs> like, that's nice. <laughs> it's weird, isn't it? How something that you can predict what's going to happen can still be really fulfilling. It's that mm. kind of comfort food level of, of TV, isn't it? You know what's yeah. going to happen, but you enjoy it anyway. Definitely. I think that's. You know, that thing about watching things that are like total comfort watches, like house flipping shows or Don't Tell the Mm. Bride. I always find myself in these positions where I'm sitting watching something that, you know, is is of that ilk. And I'm like, we are in a golden age of TV. (laughs) And I tell myself I don't have time to watch like, you know, I I haven't watched Succession, which everybody talks about. Um, Ah, Shocking, like, shocking. Yeah, How could you? Terrible. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but there's three seasons of it and it's going to be a real commitment. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, we're in this, this golden you age. It, it's great. And, and yeah. again, it's one, of the, it's one of those weird shows where you actually kind of hate every single person in it, but you're utterly fascinated by them. <laughs> and again, as a writer, I really admire how they've managed to do that, both the writers and, and the actors how they manage to keep you interested in these characters who are just horrible, who you would cross the street to avoid. Yeah. But they're utterly fascinating at the same time. And every now and then they will find a way to give you just a little glimpse into the humanity under that shell, as it were. Mm, mm. I I definitely will watch it at some point. It's just, I think there's maybe an element as well where I... Because I not because I've got the, my finger on the pulse or anything, but just because I work <laughs> in telly, I feel like yeah. I usually am the person amongst my friends who's watched something before everybody else has. And with Succession, yeah. it just so didn't appeal to me that I didn't watch it, and now everybody else has watched it, and I'm a little bit like, <laughs> I'm supposed to be the one who tells you what to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe it, I need to just <laughs> bite the bullet and sit down and watch it. You should. Is there anything else you're watching at the minute? Um, what am I enjoying at the moment? I've just actually finished season three of, of Succession, came a little late to that. We really enjoyed mm. that. Um, I'm enjoying Around the World in 80 Days, actually, on, on the oh. Beeb, which I think has been a lot of fun. I hadn't realised that that was even happening until somebody told me about it recently. It's David Tennant, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's very good. They've they've done a really good job of it. Actually, it's uh oh, it's Ashley Farrow, I think, isn't it? Yes, mm. might have to check that. But yes, a really good job of adapting it because rather than being this white guy sort of blundering through this sort of slightly cliched foreign world, you get a real sense of what the world was like at that time, and he's kind of getting mm. drawn into local politics and local situations, oh, which gives it a lot more depth, I think, than, than previous versions. So it's it's done really well in that respect. Hmm. That's interesting. I'll have to check it out. Um, is there anything else that you're watching that you're enjoying? Um, what else am I watching? Actually, clearly I've been watching too many house flipping shows and not <laughs> enough TV. So. <laughs> yeah, we are. This is um, the first one of these I've recorded since Christmas. So I guess we are probably both in that, um, you know, in that Christmas phase of just watching. Um, yes. And also it's kind of uh, last chance to get movies out for sort of BAFTA nominations and Oscar mm. nominations, isn't it? So all the sort of the, the big fancy movies are coming out at the moment as well. So you've got to keep up with those. Yes, yes, you do. You do. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably about time for us to talk about your very special episode. So why don't you tell us what you've chosen? Yes, um, I've chosen an episode of Leverage, 
it's season two, episode two, The Tap Out Job, written by mm-hmm. Albert Kim. Ah, excellent, excellent. I um I have to admit, when you when you sent me this, I was quite surprised by it, although it makes sense now. It makes sense <laughs> that you would choose this series. Although I have to say, I'd never maybe I'd heard of the leverage of leverage, but it it one of those shows that maybe just sits in my peripheral vision, like because I yeah. it's not the sort of thing I'd usually watch. Yeah, it it had a bit of a weird sort of genesis over here. I I think it it was on quite late on a minor channel when it was was on broadcast TV, mm. and it wasn't really very well noticed. And I think only now that it's moved on to streaming are people really starting to discover it over here. So a lot of people kind of maybe haven't heard of it in the way yeah. that they would have. Because what's the what's the setup for the series? So is it is it always a, a sort of case of the week? Is that right? Yeah, it's episode of the week, which I think is something mm-hmm. we don't do enough of these days. I love no. a good episode of the week. Uh, essentially, a guy who was an insurance fraud adjuster gathers this team of uh, a hacker, a thief, a con woman, and a tough guy, and they form this kind of criminal master group who go around helping people who've been conned or cheated by the system. So if, if you know, the bank has cheated you out of your house through a crooked mortgage, or if you're a, a researcher whose research has been stolen by some evil billionaire, something like that, these are the guys who will come in and they will come up with a clever con that will get you back what you want and bring down the bad guy. And yeah. who doesn't love to watch that? Yeah, no, it was a, it's a really nice setup and it did make me go like it's a quite an easy setup to figure out quite quickly as well, I think. Um cuz like I said I was going into this completely cold. I didn't yes. even really I didn't even really look up what the show was before I started watching it and then I was like, "Oh, now I know what this is." <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think it's a really simple great simple concept. All the best concepts I think are really simple. Mm. in many ways mm. and you could you know you can watch two episodes of this and you think oh yeah i get this and the characters are really well delineated as well which i think really helps definitely is there a reason why he's or why specifically they're they're sort of robin hooding and stealing from the bad to give back to the good um essentially it, it has to do with nate's background he had uh, a son he worked for this uh insurance company obviously being America, he had medical insurance through the company and his son became very, very sick and the company wouldn't pay out to save his son and the son dies. So Mm. he kind of goes into this alcoholic decline and is eventually pulled out of it and forms this this team. Okay, that makes sense now, actually. (laughs) Um, What's your your relationship with Leverage? Like, when were you watching it and what do you like about it? Yeah, I kind of stumbled across it when it was first sort of on on TV in the UK. And then it, it was only on, I think, for a couple of seasons. And after that, I was like importing the DVDs and stuff. Mm. Um, I think it, it just really appeals to me because it's such a good idea for a show. Every week you're going to get a clever theft. You're going to get some con stuff. You're going to get a bit of a fist fight. You, you know, you, you've got all of these fun things going on. And what I really love about con shows and, and heist shows is that they, they make you feel clever, don't they? They take you into the process of how people do these things and they show you and you think, oh, yeah, I understand that. I'm really clever. I could have done that, mm. which, of course, I couldn't at all. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think that's it's a kind of wish fulfillment, really. 
isn't it? And and again, I think it's down to the characters. I think the characters are really great uh, and the performers are really great. And you really get sucked into this group of of very uh, individual loners who gradually become a team. And that's always great, isn't it? A found family story. Mm, mm, Definitely, definitely. I really got that sense from it. And I think, yeah, like you said, I think the characters are really well drawn. That even just having watched this one episode, I felt like I know who a lot of these people are without them being I don't know stereotypes or like cartoons but yeah they feel like really easily delineated characters yeah which is which is no easy feat considering like for big chunks of the episodes or or, or this episode at least they play different people (laughs) yeah absolutely I mean this is why actors love this kind of show because they basically get to play someone new every week and they actors always love that Mm. but yeah to be able to sort of bring that character out and one of the reasons I think it's such a great episode is because it puts two characters together who you don't think of as being a natural fit you've got Sophie the con woman who is British and quite aristocratic Mm. Uh, and I'm very much out of place in this kind of working class part of Nevada that they've gone to to do the con. And you've got Elliot, who's a tough guy. He's ex-military. He's got a very, very different view of the world to her. And a lot of the episode is about them kind of bouncing off each other and, and how their attitudes to each other change through that episode, which is lots of fun. Mm, mm, definitely. Can you, can you give us a bit of a, a, a synopsis of the episode? Yeah, okay. Um, It's set in Nevada. There is a crooked uh, fight promoter who promotes MMA fights. There was an up-and-coming fighter whom he uh, poisoned the guy's water bottle so he'd lose a fight so that he could win a load of money, obviously. And the team come into town to try and take this guy down, get some money for this, this poor guy who will never fight again. Um, unfortunately it goes a little bit wrong and Elliot ends up having to fight the local sort of tough guy fighter and is is clearly likely to go the same way if he's not careful. Mm. Uh, The local tough guy fighter who is called Tank, which I thought was brilliant. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, uh, there's there's a lot to be said for just getting in there and, you know, the guy's called Tank, he looks like a tank. (laughs) Job done, really. I mean, you know, he's he's only on screen for like five minutes in the whole thing, I think. and Well, maybe a bit more with the actual fight, but, you know, so it's a great way for him to make an impact, I guess. Mm. What's the stuff that you like about the episode? Ah, right. Let me think. It's very funny. It's got some of my favourite funny lines in it, particularly with Sophie trying to deal with the local cuisine, which is very funny. Uh, The the, the great quotable line, meat should never be used as an adjective, which which I will get to quote at someone one of these days, which is talking about chicken fried steak, obviously. But so... That, that's a lot of fun. And there's a really fun scene at the beginning where uh, Elliot gets Parker, the thief, to to try out some MMA skills on their hacker. And they're mm. just fighting in the background and she's basically choking this poor guy out and he's calling for help. <laughs> and everybody else is just talking about the job, <laughs> which is yeah. great fun. Yeah, that was, that was a very fun scene. That was lots of fun. I love that running joke about the food. Like the, I think she says at the start, like everything on this plate is yellow. Yes. And it's just like, this. it was so good. So I, I, it pays off brilliantly at the end because you see her like with this, this packet of pork rinds that she was cracking mm. jokes about. Before. She's just sort of eating them. And, and it's kind of a symbol of how she's managed to understand that world now. Yes, yes. It's got some nice little things like that in it, I think, that it's sort of quite economical ways of 
telling you stuff about the characters and sort of where they're at at different yeah. points. Yeah, yeah, I liked that a lot. She's quite an unusual character. I felt like she was quite an unusual character for a show like this. I found her quite interesting, the, Sophie, the British woman. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's qu- quite an interesting character. Um, There's this ongoing running thing that Sophie Devereux is not her real name. And, and Nate is trying to find out what her real name is. And she won't oh. ever tell anybody. And the, these various possibilities come up. She may actually be um, real nobility or not. Who <laughs> knows? Um, and there's a lot of a lot of fun stuff there. And yeah. I, I think the fact that you know she's the only non-American gives her just a slight difference to the others. And, and she slowly starts to become this kind of mum figure who's sort of giving good advice to people and and teaching people. And it's a really interesting development for the character. She's she's a lot of fun. Nice. I liked her. I liked her. What else do you do you like in this episode? Um, what I one of the things I really like is that it it's a very working class episode, I suppose. Mm. That's not a very good way to explain it. But the thing about conj stories is that very often you've got the evil rich guy who you're conning and you've got the con man. Uh, yes. and that's it. And there's no reference back to where the evil guy got his money from and where mm. that came from in, in the beginning. And the one thing that Leverage does really well is that it actually shows you that ordinary people suffer in order to make rich people rich. And yes. this is an episode yeah. that, that shows that really well. And I think Leverage is always very generous towards working class, red state culture, for want of a better term. Mm. which I think we don't always see portrayed very positively in American TV. And and I I think this episode in particular does that very well and shows you that, you know, these guys have lives and maybe they're not the lives that they wanted, but they're just trying to get by. Elliot says at one point that, you know, that they go to the MMA gym and they fight to gain control over their lives because everything Mm. else is out of their control. The factory shuts down and they've got no jobs and, and all that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, I'm quite interested in in that sort of working classness of it, which I think is really interesting. No, definitely. I, I kind of had the same thought in my notes. I, I did call him Lindsay a few times in my notes. Um, <laughs> Elliot, who is played by the guy who plays Lindsay in Angel. In Angel, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's quite an interesting character. And, and that sort of ongoing thing between him and Sophie about her being quite kind of disparaging of these MMA yes. fighters and this kind of culture and then him gradually kind of getting to that point where he's and and I thought it, I think it's nice that it's about it's not about them being MMA fighters to get out of where they are because I think that's often mm. like the the way these things are presented for working class people like it's about you like you have this amazing talent to get out of yes. of your life or you're very very clever or something like that um, but it's more about them, you know, it, it's about that control, about gaining control. And I thought that was a nice, mm. and and I think we, there's a real sort of in the background, I think there's a real sense of the communities that can sort of form around, around things yeah. like that within, within working class cultures. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it's absolutely an episode about community and about how people create something meaningful for themselves in a place that other people maybe see as sort of forgotten and run down and not having anything much to to offer. Um, there's, there's one point where things are all going really, really bad and the team say, well, we might have to relocate 
the guys we were trying to help because the bad guy's going to come around and burn down their house or something. And yeah. Elliot says, no, we can't do that. This is where they live. This is their home. That means something to people here. And yeah, I think yeah. that's really at the core of the episode as well. That stuff's really nice. The um, the, the, the thing that I really liked about it was that I think because I, uh, I think you're right in that there's not as much, I don't think we do as much episode of the week, story of the week, kind of case of the week um, mm. series anymore. Or I, I probably just don't watch them, which is <laughs> another thing. <laughs> I think it um, really has swung out of fashion a bit. I, I think mm. Prestige TV was very serialised for a long time and everybody thought oh if ours is serialized as well we'll look more like a hbo show or whatever so mm. it's, the needle has really swung that way i mean it'll swing back the other way eventually it always does i think so i think so i think i think well i think because of that i think this episode feels really tight like it, it feels like a type of storytelling i don't see as much where it's like mm. you get the full story within that yes sort of 45 minutes or whatever it is and it it feels like there's a beginning, a middle, and an end, but it also feels tight and like the yeah yeah they all have their clear roles in what in this sort of caper that they're pulling off. I don't quite know the right word for for, <laughs> for this thing. Yeah, <laughs> the con. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a real skill writing this kind of episodic television. You've you've got to write for all of the normal characters. You've got in, to introduce the people that are helping. You've got to introduce the bad guy. And mm. you've got to create a, a complex, interesting plot that gives all of your regulars something to do as well. Yes. And, yes. and that's a real skill. Definitely. The the one that I didn't the one character that I really didn't get a good measure on, this is terrible, but it's the blonde woman. Um the Parker. Yeah. 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 This is actually an episode where she doesn't have as much to do as usual. I mean, mm. I guess you can't you can't fit everything in, can you? Not in forty five minutes. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yes, you see the cat burglar. So it, it's quite unusual to see her not having anything to steal. <laughs> so she, um, yeah, she had this nice running joke with sort of junk food, I guess. Like, uh, I guess, kind of, is it Southern American? Are they in Idaho or Iowa? Or? Uh, they're in Nevada, I believe. Yes. Nevada. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like, like the sort of junk food and stuff, the pork rinds. And then yes. at one point, she's eating a, a corn dog, which did make me really hungry for a corn dog. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, apart from that, I just didn't get a measure on her. But I guess, yeah, you're right that you kind of can't have, can't, can't have everybody. Have I guess, can yeah. you, in, in 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Is there anything you don't like in this episode? Um, you know, I'm not sure there is. I mean, I think the reason I picked it is it's a kind of quintessential episode, apart perhaps from that thing of Parker not really having anything to steal, mm. which I suppose has something to do with, with the the background of the story. It's not like they've, they've got a safe with diamonds and they can rob or anything, you know, mm. so that's understandable. But I think, yeah, for me, it's just a really, really good example of this kind of story that sort of gives most of the characters something interesting to do and has... And has things to say, you know. Yeah, definitely, definitely, I'd agree with that. Um, is there, is there, because I really didn't get a sense of this from this episode anyway. But is there a, do we get sort of serialized stories in this, or is it always very story of the week? It's it's mostly story of the week. There are a couple of seasons where there's a kind of overarching plot going on, mm. and it will sort of pay off in the last sort of two to three episodes. Yeah, but. but primarily it's sort of villain of the week job of the week and yeah characters of the week really so 
Yeah, that's interesting. I love that. Um, I really like that scene where Sophie, she's pretending to be a TV producer, I think, and she goes for dinner with the with the sort of bad guy yes. that's throwing these throwing these uh, MMA fights. Um, I love that scene. It's just like just so yeah it's that type of writing that's so clever where it's giving you so much about the plot but also Mm. it's funny and it felt I felt I I was like I know they're giving me all the information I need to make this episode work but I don't necessarily know how they're doing it and it's very clever yeah I liked it a lot yeah I mean I think the, they are very, very good at this. Just burying that exposition in interesting stuff, character stuff, funny stuff, and and a sense of tension as well, because is she going to be found out and all of that. So juggling all of those things at once in dialogue that feels natural. I mean, that that's mm. just fantastic writing, really, isn't it? Yes, yes. And I, I think there's that, that really nice theme of, of working class culture, but I think there's this really nice sort of theme... That I I actually wonder if in the current climate you could do, because this is going up. I I think it's from 2009, this series. Like I, Uh, Yeah, that probably sounds about right, yeah. Yeah, which when I was kind of thinking about it, because I've seen the guy who plays Nate in other stuff recently, and I was like, God, he's aged really quickly. And then I was like, yeah, this is like 13 years ago. (laughs) He's he's aged 13 years since. (laughs) But I, I think there's this really nice sort of theme or depiction of masculinity in this, particularly through Elliot's character. Um, yeah. That feels like heroic and also maybe a little bit sad in a way, but also is commenting on that. It's Yeah, it just feels really nice. Like Yeah, I think Elliot... As that kind of masculine, tough guy, the ex-military guy, it's actually a very nuanced character because this is mm. a guy who, you know, has has really gone out into the world and, and done bad things, essentially, and is looking for some kind of redemption here. And yes. yet he's not presented as being this, this swaggering, tough guy. He certainly can take care of himself and all the others. But he's also, he can be emotionally vulnerable. He will be honest with the rest of the team. You know, it, it's a very nuanced kind of masculinity that perhaps you weren't seeing very much from that kind of character at the time. And yeah. That, you know, would still be good to see more of, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think so. And I think, yeah, and in the way that things do fall in and out, in and out of the conversation and out of the zeitgeist, I think, you know, I, I wonder if we'd get away with a character like that at the moment just because of the conversations we're having about masculinity but I think there's a real space for it um yeah no I I like that a lot the the one scene where when I was watching it initially I was like oh my gosh this is really clunky is um when he's fighting um at the end he's he's sort of fighting and he's been told to throw the fight and the, the the sort of bad guy says something to him and then Sophie says um oh they've they've drugged him uh, and then Sophie says to the, the kind of con guy, what you've done by drugging him is you've taken the safety off and that he's just going to kill this bloke. He's just going to kill Tank, who he's fighting. Yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's like he's like the Incredible Hulk or something. And then like <laughs> you figure out pretty soon after, and I probably should have figured this out, but this is because I don't watch a lot of this um, type of kind of crimey con show. 
mm-hmm. that that all of that was also part of the ruse that he wasn't really drugged yes. and he wasn't really yeah it was just yeah clever yeah clever i mean this this kind of playing a big climax and then revealing that it's not entirely what you expected this mm. is kind of a, a staple of the con story really isn't it mm. there's yeah. always that that part where you think you're watching one thing and actually something else is going on and again there, there's a skill in sort of doing that in a way that doesn't make the audience feel disappointed or feel that they were lied to or something so it's got to be just enough of a lie and then you sort of reveal what's actually going on afterwards. Mm, mm. No, it's really nice. The other, the other thing that I did, um, I had a little question mark over was the, uh, the tech stuff, particularly the golf balls that sort of, <laughs> it is very, very James Bondy kind of, I don't know, like the golf balls that had some sort of homing drone in them that they could be yeah, controlled by was- remote control. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I mean, I'm going to be honest here. I hate golf. I think it's an evil game. So <laughs> oh, I'm quite happy for anybody to throw any any game of, of golf. <laughs> you know, that that's that's fine by me. Mm. And I mean, I don't know whether that's actually... Yeah, I know they do a lot of research for this sort of thing and they're always, you know, apparently walking into the writer's room and saying, hey, look what I found out about, which must mm. be an awful lot of fun, let's be honest. Um, so maybe it's true. Maybe it's a little bit of an exaggeration, but, you know, I'm prepared to accept that if some evil golfing guy can get beaten at golf and lose all his money. (laughs) No, I'm definitely willing to accept it. And I think sometimes as well, like, you know, things like that. It's funny because I watch a lot of shows that are about like, I don't know, magic and vampires and all sorts of things that actually don't exist. But I think as long (laughs) as as long as you kind of create a realistic world for the show, Mm. then I think you can get away with some of the stuff like that being slightly fantastical. It's about setting your rules and, and sticking to them, really, isn't mm. it? I, and I think, you know, we we also live in a world where a lot of the technology is kind of like magic to most of us. I mean, yeah. I, I sit down at my computer and I do things and I have no idea how they work. Mm, that's true. But somehow they do. And there's all this weird technology out there in the world that most of us don't even know about. So I think within that, you, you can get away with a lot, really, with, with technology. Well, I hope you can anyway. I'm writing something with a lot of technology in it at the moment. So. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's why I always just go with magic. Because <laughs> like, magic's easy. You know, you easy. might be onto something there. <laughs> I don't know. Just get a couple of candles and sit in a circle chanting. And, and that's Sounds how it works. Sounds good to me. Yeah. <laughs> ah, that's excellent. Um, is there is there anything else you want to say on this on this episode before we wrap up? Uh, well, what else did I want to say? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the things it does really well is the way that things go wrong. I remember um, listening to to uh, the thing where they talk about a specific episode commentary. Commentary, Sorry, yes. Gone. Yeah. <laughs> An episode commentary where the creators of the show were saying that these guys are the best in the world at what they do. So we can't have them each week being outwitted by people or else they just look ridiculous. So when things do go wrong, they, they have to go wrong in, in unique ways. It either has to be something that they couldn't possibly have anticipated or it has to go too right rather than going wrong. Like mm. you want a bad guy to invest in your fake scheme, but it's such a good scheme that all his mates want to invest in it as well. That kind of thing. And and what happens here basically is that they've set up this great alibi for themselves as as being involved in, in MMA in another state. 
but it happens that somebody knows somebody in that state and they know it's all not true. Mm. So it's something that they couldn't really have anticipated. They can create all the fake stuff they like on the internet. But as somebody said at one point, you can't hack a hick. Yes, so, I love uh, that. I love that line. Great line. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and I thought that that was a really nice piece of writing as well, not to sort of go to the point where they do something wrong, but but to just sort of the one thing that they couldn't possibly have anticipated. Because it's always the tricky thing when you've got people who are supposed to be really good at stuff. How do you get things to go wrong for them? Yes. So, you know, you have to admire that. And one of the other things I like about this episode is that there are real physical stakes to it in a way that some of the episodes don't. Mm. A lot of the episodes, it's just, oh, well, the bad guy might find out that we're doing this and, and then we'll all have to run away, which is, is fine. Those are yeah. stakes <laughs> and they work within the context of the show. But, you know, in this, in this particular one, you know, Elliot's going to have to fight this guy and he could end up getting drugged or sabotaged or something and he could die. So that's, that's a real escalation of stakes for the show, yes. which I think lifts it in an interesting way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. No, I, I really liked that stuff. And it did feel like, um, I, I think possibly because I was bringing all of that stuff from him being Lindsay from Angel. <laughs> um, <laughs> that that scene where they have their kind of first fight, they've, they've sort of engineered all sorts of things so that Elliot fights with, so that the, the, yeah. the con guy sees Elliot fighting and that's how he gets involved with him. Um, yeah. That did just, it felt very clever and very like, yeah, just, just really smart writing that I'm, that I'm a yes. little bit jealous of in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, you know, in, in a way I would love to write for a show like Leverage, but it mm. also must be this huge responsibility of having to be really, really smart all the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm you, starting you can't to really realize. get away with kind of fudging it and saying, oh, well, the guard left the door unlocked or something. You yes. can't get away with that. It's got, they've got to have some amazing way to break into the museum or whatever it is this week. Mm, mm. It, 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 yeah, I think watching stuff like that, this makes me realise why um, I quite like a lot of my stuff is just people arguing in kitchens and things because <laughs> I don't think I am smart enough to break into a museum or uh, to throw some <laughs> MMA fight. <laughs> but it, it's all about the fantasy really, isn't it? I think what's great about these kind of shows is that we would love to imagine that in that situation, we would be that smart and we would be able to pull it off. Mm. And I, I love a bit of wish fulfillment. Yes. Yes. This, uh, I think the, the, the one other thing that I was kind of struck by as well and I think this is because it came out in 2009 it feels like it was slightly before um and maybe only like literally months before everyone had to be an anti-hero and these feel like quite <laughs> interesting characters and in that they are you know some of them are actual bad guys that have done bad things but they're mm. like they're basically all Robin Hood's like doing doing good things and it, yeah, yeah something feels quite nice about that and kind of hopeful and yeah maybe the sorts of things that I'd like to see more of at the minute absolutely I mean I think you get the sense that these are people who are fundamentally decent under it all mm. even if they've taken mm. the wrong paths and they've done bad things at various points in their lives you know under other circumstances they would have been better people yes and and they're trying to put themselves back on that road now and you know they kind of slip off now and then and and 
a priceless diamond accidentally ends up in their pocket. Oh dear, how did that happen? But <laughs> I mean, who amongst us has not had that? <laughs> well, it can happen to anybody, can't it? I mean, you know, but and and I think that's that's one of the great attractions. You're seeing bad guys who are kind of good guys, really. Mm. And and all of those skills in the real world will be used to prey on people like us, essentially. Mm. Are in fact being used to bring down the the crooked people at the top of the pile, and I think you know more than ever. I think we can all sympathise with that a bit. Yes, definitely, definitely. Ah, yeah. I feel like I've discovered a new show. I'm gonna. I, the 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 one drawback of doing a, a podcast like this is that, <laughs> um, as well as all the things I feel like I have to watch because everybody's watching them. I've now got all these kind of series from the past that I could go back and discover. <laughs> I know. (laughs) You're going to spend the next 10 years basically watching TV and not writing. Don't do that. No, no, I can't afford to do that. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for chatting with me today. That's been a really nice conversation. Well, thank you for having me on. It's been a, a lot of fun. Yeah, thank you. And where can people find you? I always ask where do you where would you care to be found? Because I think that's uh, <laughs> um, how... lying in a bath of champagne. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, you can find me on Twitter, mm-hmm. um, and I also have a, a WordPress blog called Never Get Off the Bus with a lot of writing advice and stuff on it as well. Yes, yes. I feel I feel like I should say thank you for that blog because I think when I first started writing that was one of the resources that I kept going back to like you've got quite a lot of really oh, good you. like insightful short blogs and stuff that that I think are a really good resource for new screenwriters and people who want to kind of think about how the way some of this stuff works and yeah, yeah. so thank you for that and definitely oh, recommend well, people I'm glad check it was helpful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, and thanks for chatting with me today. Oh, I, right. I, this is always like a weird, awkward bit, but I think we should say goodbye. Because <laughs> it always like, <laughs> I always get to it and then cut off really quickly. So goodbye. <laughs> uh, goodbye to you. <laughs> and there we go. The very lovely Debbie Moon. Uh, thank you so much for joining us this week uh, my very special guest next week will be crystal dawn gallagher uh, and we'll be talking about an episode of sliders another show that i didn't actually uh, it turned out during the episode that i did know it but uh, i thought at the time that i didn't uh, but I, I don't remember actually watching it ever so we're watching sliders and the episode is from season one it's episode nine or ten depending on where you go sometimes the first two episodes are shown as a kind of part one part two it's called luck of the draw it's the season finale um and it's a very bonkers one so uh please join me i managed to watch it in the uk i managed to watch it on uh youtube i paid for it uh, a couple of quid uh but i and and i don't know that you can watch it um streaming anywhere but hopefully you will find it by whatever means necessary not that i'm advocating any other way of finding it uh that isn't legal um so yeah sliding into another dimension another parallel world with crystal dawn gallagher and it is a funny one so please tune in Uh, and until next time don't touch those bloody dials watching